As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Steve Turney hosts a great podcast geared toward mental health marketers called The Boost. Steve, tell listeners what you cover on the show. The Boost is our podcast, and the tagline is Conversations with People Promoting Mental Health, and that's what it is. So it's marketers, company executives, therapists, and mental health advocates talking about what they're doing to move this industry and this important thing called mental health forward. Amazing. And where can people subscribe? I'm big on LinkedIn, so you can find us there, just uh, slash Steve Turney, or you can find the show at marketingpodcasts.net or search for The Boost wherever you get your podcasts. You heard him. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 85 of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm Mary, and I'm here with my co-host, Jamie. Today, first, I'd like to say, Happy Halloween. Do you like Halloween? Um, I'm kind of middle of the road on Halloween. You could say it. I don't no, I don't no, love it. No, you no, could I say don't it. love it, but I don't hate it either. You have to own you have to own your dislike of Halloween. Uh, it's a holiday you either love or you hate. Really? I think so. That's my opinion. Uh, you kind of hate I mean, it. I love it. If if I if I had to pick, I'd probably say I'd hate it then. Ah, oh, I love it. I love it so much. I mean, I see that the kids get excited, but like and Hoboken does a great job on Halloween. Of, it is so They really cool. do an incredible job. Yes. There's like, so like three or four streets in our town that just go like all out. Haunted all out. houses, creepy stuff. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. So it they do a great job of like small town feel in a city and, you know, the kids are so excited and the costumes are cute and whatever, but, you know, it's crowded and most of the candy is crap, so... I have met very little candy that I don't love. Oh, I'm very picky about candy. Oh, what kind of candy do you like? I didn't know this about you. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, it depends if I'm going for like sugary or chocolate. Okay. Um, I appreciate the split of genre. Yeah. So chocolate, I mean, my go-to for chocolate would really be Snickers. Oh, that's a good candy say. bar. 
I mean, Snickers, Twix, Kit Kat, like how can you go wrong with any of those? I mean, talking about candy, maybe I do love Halloween. See? I don't know. See? <laughs> I might turn you. And for like sugary candy, Twizzlers, Starburst, <laughs> Starburst and <laughs> Sour Patch Kids. But, you know, they get stuck in your teeth and it's a really old person thing to say, but... You know. <laughs> I like Smarties. Oh, yeah. Those are good, too. I love them. And nerds. Yeah. I love nerds. You always get a lot of nerds on Halloween. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Both the candy and the people. <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> but I'm bumped. <laughs> you know which one I don't like, though? I don't like Tootsie Rolls. Oh, I like them. And you get a lot of Tootsie Rolls. Okay, I'm going to save my Tootsie Rolls for you. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited. I'm going to mine, them up. my girls, but you know. <laughs> what do you do with the candy with your kids? Because we get like baskets of it. We donate ours to the homeless shelter. Oh, that's a great idea. I should do that instead of, you know, siphoning through it, picking my favorites and then throwing the junk out. Yeah, you can. There's a couple of things you can do here. Um, so I let the kids uh, pick out, you know, a handful that they're going to want to eat over the course of a week. And then the rest of it, um, we don't we don't eat to the homeless shelter because I we I, we don't eat there a lot. But there's a dentist in our town that sends it to the troops that are stationed abroad. I was going to say, I think one year we did the dentist. Yeah. So you can do that. Yeah. And I actually buy it from my kids, which people always kind of laugh about because I want them to not like they get some, they don't get dollars, but they get something like they can pick a book or a treat, mostly because my oldest son has a lot of food allergies, so he can't eat most of it. And that's that's tough because we have to give away, obviously, a lot of candy that, you know, they would normally want to choose. And the little one. We can't keep the candy that even though he can eat it, the big one can't. So it's a little more challenging with mine. And I want them to still enjoy Halloween because I love Halloween. Uh, so we've done that. And it, it works pretty well. They get pretty excited about it. That's a nice idea, actually. Maybe I would um, consider something like that instead of just taking... Yeah, instead of just taking it away from my girls and saying, too bad, you don't get this candy. Yeah, we make something fun it's of it. kind of mean. <laughs> yeah, it, it sucks. I mean, no human can eat all of the candy. Like at a certain point, you know, we sort of stop trick-or-treating, but that's the fun part of it. So it's like we've filled full pillowcases. Just there's so much going on here. And so a lot of times we'll like wander into a friend's house or hang out um, and sort of stop collecting candy. But it's really fun to go trick or treating. Yeah. Oh, that's all they I mean, that's all they do is like look, look in the basket every, yeah. every single time. Yeah. And my big one's always like, I can't have nuts. And I was like, just take whatever <laughs> they give you. And there are some really lovely people here who do either no candy, like a choice of no candy, um, or they have a very specific like nut free, um, allergy friendly section. But there's so many other, you know, allergens other than obvi the obvious um, nuts and dairy. And so yeah, it's hard to sort of gluten. I, mean, I don't know how much gluten there is in candy bars because that's not something that we have to deal with. But it's I'm sure there's a lot. I don't know. I'm guessing someone tell me if there's gluten in Halloween candy. So yeah, so it that's worked out. I love it, though. I love seeing all the costumes. I particularly love the houses that go all out. Yes, those are really cool. And actually, my in-laws, well, they're They've, they've come before around Halloween and, you know, Halloween is not a big thing in France, 
I mean, they're getting, it's getting a little more commercialized there, but it hasn't been in past years. So they love seeing like all the decorations, like they can't believe people decorate for it and put, you know, the spider webs and all the stuff. Oh my God, the spider webs, my kids start to count them because everybody here, every brownstone has like the massive, I don't even know how they get them all the way up at the top. I know. And then they switch it right over for the holidays. Baffling. Like, and they, I, yeah, I don't know how they do all that. The minute Halloween is over. Christmas is up. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, it's crazy. And then there's the, there's in our town, there's this one, um, I guess a famous artist who lives and he does an art installation related to Halloween in his front yard every, that's my, I love that. And he puts a plaque out explaining it. It's always some social message. It's really cool. That's awesome. I don't know if I've seen that. Really? It's on, um, I'll point it out to you. It's really, you, you may not realize what it is because it's on 11th, it's on 11th street. So you've definitely gone past it. Like it's right. He's on the corner. I just can't remember which street it is, but oh, I've it's definitely very, walked. By yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really neat. In sum, I love Halloween and I'm slowly converting Mary. So by next year, when we do our Halloween episode, Mary is going to love Halloween. It might take more than that, but let's see. I'm going to try. I'm going to show up with my favorite candies. See, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to steal them. That's the other problem is I'll eat it if it's sitting in the house. Oh, yeah. That's that's the problem. Mm. I eat all of it. I feel like this podcast episode is not about Halloween. No, (laughs) it's not. I think it might be about something else. I think we interviewed someone. (laughs) We did. (laughs) And she's amazing. What? (laughs) She has an incredible story. So I talked to Aaron Carpenter, who's, you know, officially our first fearless founder episode after our introductory one. And she's phenomenal. I mean, she has a product business. I found it very relatable for having an e-commerce business, you know, and just all the ups and downs and inventory and how you even start with your idea. These fearless founder episodes are going to be really cool, I think. So I'm excited about them. They're a different spin. And I, I like, I'm personally am a story person. So I really love hearing people's stories. You know, our guests often have such great information, but sometimes it's just nice to get to know them. Uh, Yeah. I always find it fascinating, like where people, how they start and why they're doing it. It's always incredible. Now we're excited to introduce our fearless founder, Aaron Carpenter of Nude Bar. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mary. How are you today? Hi, I'm great. I'm so excited to talk to you all about Nude Bar. (laughs) Awesome. I'm excited to chat about it as well. Great. So can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and about the company? Of course. Uh, So my name is Aaron Carpenter, and I'm the founder and CEO of Nude Bar. And I really started Nude Bar based on a series of embarrassing moments and frustrating moments that I had as a young dancer coming up in the industry and as a professional dancer. So my background is um, mostly what they would call concert dance. So I have a BFA in ballet from Marymount Manhattan College. And um, initially, I was really focused on going into a dance company, uh, but I decided I wanted to stay in New York and figure out life as an independent person. And I ended up getting signed to one of the top dance agencies here in New York called Block. And then eventually, I was signed to MSA, um, and I was signed to a couple of others um, that are based in New York and LA. So I ended up going into more of what they call the commercial dance industry, which is like all the commercials you see people dancing in. 
to any like, you know, you could be backup dancing for an artist and, and so on and so forth. And so I was constantly seeing this reoccurring issue from my concert dance training and experience all the way through the commercial dance experience where we were always required to have nude or flesh tone tights underwear, panties, and bras. However, historically nude has always been represented as beige and, you know, fashion, beauty, and so forth. And so a lot of artists and dancers are always dyeing their tights and their underwear to match their skin. This is an industry standard that really plagues women of color, but also women that were more fair-skinned, white women that I would be dancing with would also complain that the tan or the beige that was on the market that's called nude was either not the right color for them, it was too dark for them, and so forth. And so that's a little bit of my background, as well as uh, the origin of, of Nude Bar and why I started. So what does Nude Bar do? So in Nude Bar, we make 12 different shades of nude to match diverse skin tones. And that means going fair skin, medium skin, and to deeper or darker skin tones. So it's the full spectrum um, of anyone you can think. So it's skin tone or color inclusive, but it's also size and fit inclusive as well. So we go from children sizes all the way up to adult plus sizes to about 300 pounds. So the main uh, focus of the brand is, you know, inclusivity, um, empowering women to feel beautiful because if a color is represented as the standard in beauty or a size is represented as the standard in beauty, you know, how does that make everyone else feel? So nude bar is going in a different direction. And, and that messaging of everyone's beautiful no matter what color, shape, or size you are. Yes, I'm like feverishly nodding my head at everything you're saying. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> How did you first get started? You mentioned you know, you were thinking about it while you were dancing and seeing this, this issue, but I think it takes a lot for someone to identify an idea and then actually go after it and do something about it. So how did you do that? You know, honestly, I, I would have been dying my tights for, you know, years as a, a pre-professional dancer. And initially I was like, oh, I'll just be a dye service for artists and dancers um, starting it out of my apartment and then eventually going into having a storefront that I would call the nude bar, kind of the idea and concept of like mixology um, and mm -hmm. the marriage of bar, like ballet bar together. So that's how the name nude bar came together. Yes. So I started researching a lot on um, just different dyes and I was buying a bunch of dyes, trying to, you know, kind of put together all these formulations because I knew how to make my shade, but I needed to learn how to make other shades. And in the beginning, I was starting with, I was deciding between 18 and 20 shades of nude. And eventually I narrowed it down to the 12 that we have now in the brand. But I was working a lot with different wardrobe heads and stylists and in industry that had been doing um, some dye on their own, whether it was because, you know, nude was required on a piece of the costuming, but it didn't come in different shades, so they were dyeing those pieces themselves, those uh, wardrobe people. Uh, so I was kind of getting, you know, just background from them and information from them on if this was really something that was worth pursuing as I was kind of doing my own R&D, as they call it. So eventually, actually my dad, who's not an entrepreneur, but he always really admires entrepreneurs and just 
really loves what, what it takes essentially. Uh, and he was like, you know, why don't you consider just launching your own brand, your own line instead of dying and being around all the chemicals and, you know, that, that could be kind of a hard mm-hmm. industry to go to scale and to go down. So I thought about it for a little while and, I, you know, I was actually quite intimidated by that concept because I didn't go to fashion school. You know, as I mentioned earlier, my BFA is in ballet. Um, I did get a minor in business management because I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I assumed it would be your normal path of like, I open a dance school or, you know, something, a production company, something that's right. specific to what I'm already doing and have a lot of experience in. <laughs> right. So I, yeah, I never imagined like, oh, I'll be making underwear and tights and I would be manufacturing things. And, you know, that just wasn't the at the top of my list of things. So, uh, you know, my dad just really encouraged me and was like, you know what, that's where you could just spend as much time as you need on your research and development. And, you know, you could do that on the side while you're still performing and auditioning. And because my typical day at the time as like a freelancer and being signed to an agency is I would go to castings all day. And then if I booked a commercial or whatever, then you'd be in rehearsals for, you know, all day or a portion of that day. And then, you know, later on, I was doing jobs like I danced for the Knicks and the NBA. So that had like set schedule, which was, you know, games during the season, rehearsals at night, and then I could still audition during the day and so forth. Anyway, you were still building nude bar. You had You were starting Nude Bar at that time. Yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. So I was, you know, in the trenches, doing my research, going to textile trade shows, trying to understand fabrics and fibers and colors and all of those things. So as I kind of got a little more traction with the research and it wasn't as daunting as I thought it was, then I felt more comfortable with reaching out to manufacturers and getting samples and, you know, going down that road and uh, a little while later, and then I had some product to sell and here we Amazing. That's amazing. Thank you. So how long did it take you from development to putting your first product on the market? It, it took me about a year and a half, two years, mainly because I was trying to figure out how to actually fund this business, mm. um, which was like, a that's still a big part of, you know, the process for me. So I've bootstrapped the business up until very recently, bootstrapping it by, you know, using my dancers savings or, you know, residual checks I would get from a a commercial I would do one time got a residual check from an American airline commercial that I danced in that I think the contract was for like a year or something like that. But then it got extended, which was extremely exciting. I was like, yes, I have some extra money I put into this this business. So I use money, you know, that way um, I would borrow here and there from like mom and dad. And then I also, as I was kind of phasing out of full-time, you know, being a a professional artist, I was teaching bar fitness classes as well. So I would mainly teach bar at night, which I actually still do. Um, So I run the business during the day, nine to five. Mm -hmm. And then in the evenings, I teach a couple, sometimes three bar classes in a row. Um, And then I try to run home and make it home for bedtime with my baby. Yeah, but, you have a daughter too. I was yeah. just going to say. And I have a dog here. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> a dog. <laughs> that's how I've funded it and bootstrapped it up until this point, which, you know, got me my first samples. But it took me a little while between the back and forth between, you know, the manufacturer and really getting what I wanted. A lot of times you, you send, they send the first sample and it's terrible. And you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, 
Yeah. Right. Maybe, maybe I'm not saying it right. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Right. You go through all the, the self-doubt there. And then eventually it came together and it, you know, was okay. You know, we got to the launch point of, of the product, but then there's also, you know, the in-between of saving up enough money and scraping up enough dollars to like get it shipped and get yep. it through customs. Customs. And, yeah. You know, all of those surprise fees that come up yep. that you're like, oh shoot, I didn't know I needed a couple extra thousand dollars for that. Okay. Did you launch all 12 colors together or did you start with one? Yeah. So I launched all 12 colors together, but I launched one product at a time. So currently we have footed opaque tights, convertible opaque tights, which speak more to our dancers. Um, we have fishnets, which is our bestseller. And we have a seamless thong. And then we're working on a bralette to come out um, in the near future. So uh, initially I started with the convertible opaque tights, just based on, you know, the feedback that I had gotten from dancers, that was kind of the bigger need mm -hmm. at the moment. And then the next product were the fishnets um, and so on and so forth. And first I started with two sizes and then eventually three and eventually children's and plus size. And so I've just kind of slowly <laughs> built it based on cash that I have in the bank and feedback and data from our customer base. That's amazing. Cause I mean, inventory, is a whole other ball game because you have to, you know, figure out what you're going to be able to carry. And that's a lot when you start adding the different, different products to it too. Yeah, totally. What has been your biggest learning so far? Uh, I mean, there's, there's a ton of them. Yeah. Um, I would say the biggest learning is really being flexible. So it's like you start a business, you have an idea of what you want it to be. And then it just turns out to not be that it kind of evolves into something else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being an entrepreneur is like 99% about just problem solving, mm -hmm. you know, and that could be anything from like, like we were just talking about getting your product through customs and oops, surprise, you have to spend this extra money to because it's been sitting in the warehouse or whatever for how many days and you have to pay those fees or um, you know we my business is a lot uh, of logistics so um, and that could be anything from getting a product to a celebrity customer that we have that needs it for a red carpet event or whatever in another country and mm. tomorrow um, so that's another dealing with customs and like who are we shipping it through and how you know what's the fastest and most affordable way to get it there to just manage Managing inventory, you know, especially with all the shades that we have, keeping our customers happy, replying to customer responses, you know, all of that. It's it, it's a constant problem solving puzzle piece here, there game. And as an entrepreneur, you just really need to be flexible and just on your toes. Like, okay, that didn't work. What's next? What else can right. we do? What's another idea? What's another way we can get around this? And so, what do you do when you're not feeling fearless? When I'm not feeling fearless, I, so I try my best to do voice journaling. I was doing it every day before I had a baby and now I just, you know, whenever I can get it in there, but with voice journaling, what's really helpful is I get to kind of get out all of my emotions and feelings about whatever it is that I'm dealing with that day or that last 24 hours. And then once I've kind of said it, maybe I've cried about it, whatever, um, out loud, then I can kind of process what that is and realize like, you know what, you're doing great. You're, you're, you're doing the best you can. You're, you know, dealing with a lot. You're, it's okay. There's another solution. It's mm -hmm. maybe you don't have the answer today, but I think sometimes listening to the voice journal, sometimes I'll go back and listen to, like, I, I try to note the high moment days and the low moment days. Mm. 
and maybe listen to the positive days of like, yes, you, you'll have another day like that, hopefully later this week or tomorrow. Like there's, there's still so much positive. Yeah. I talk to my family and friends a lot who really support me and, you know, they try to really lift me up when I'm like, oh man, this is so hard. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, those are my, my top two ways. I've never heard of the of voice journaling before. That's really cool. It's basically what you would write, but you talk it out and record yeah. it instead. Yep. Yep. So I just talk it out. I just, you know, free flowing thoughts just on my voice journal and then I'll, you know, note or label it as whatever type of day it was, kind of like the highlights. In the, yeah. In, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I like that. Do you have a mentor or someone that's helped you along the journey or who has been most impactful to you? I would say that I have had several mentors along the way at different stages in the business. You are going through one phase that's really hard and then you kind of evolve from that. And maybe there's a couple of mentors that speak to those moments and then uh, you're, you're introduced to someone else. I mean, another big thing about being an entrepreneur is just having a strong network and constantly be networking. Being humble, I guess, is, is a better word. Like constantly people are like, oh, I met this person. Would you like me to introduce you? Or I thought of you when I met this person. Let me introduce you to this person. And being humble enough to say, yes, I would actually like to speak to that person because maybe they would have insight on this problem I'm dealing with today or this mm-hmm. week or whatever. When that happens for me, then there becomes a new mentor that can now help me with this new problem that I have. So yes, there's, there's, I'm, I'm constantly meeting new people that are mentoring me along the way. Yeah. It's so important to have all those people in your corner because the down days are tough. (laughs) Absolutely. I've also seen, I mean, nude bar has gotten quite a bit of press. You have You've been in the news and featured, and you also have your a large following, you know, on social media. Can you talk a little bit about how that came to be? Are there certain things that you've done, or did it happen organically? Uh, I like to say that it happened organically. I mean, there's obviously a lot of work in the back end, but yeah. So the first celebrity that wore nude bar is a talk show host named Wendy Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, she comes on five days a week, Monday through Friday on well, in New York, it's Fox Five. Yeah. And what's awesome about that relationship is my mom actually encouraged me to send her some of our fishnets that we launched at the time. And initially I was like, no, you know, I just, she's a celebrity. She has access to everything. Why would she want to wear my product? Like, I'm just going to start with the dance people I know, you know? Yeah. And my mom was like, no, she wears fishnets every day on her show. She wears this brand called Wolford. Well, Wolford is a very high-end luxury, um, hosiery and undergarments brand. And I just thought like, oh no, there's no way I can compete against that brand. Like she's never going to pick the product. So I sent her anyway, after like several months of it just sitting in a box on the kitchen table of like, should I send it? Should I not send it? Should I send it? Should I not send it? Um, eventually I sent it off um, Her on her website. It has an address to her studio. So I sent it there and I wrote a letter to her just, you know, expressing that I'm a new entrepreneur and why I started the company and why I would love for her to wear the product and so forth. So a couple weeks later, I was on my way to do a trunk show um, at the Dance Theater of Harlem Dance School and just to, you know, showcase my products and hopefully some of the students would buy them. And on my way there in the cab, I get a call and I normally don't answer numbers that I don't know, but I did for some reason. And it was her wardrobe assistant. She was like, oh, 
uh, we're about to go on air right now. Wendy has been wearing your tights all week and she absolutely loves them. We just wanted to give you a heads up in case you want to watch the show right now. And that in an hour when she gets off air, um, we want to give you a call and place an order. And I was just like, what? What? (laughs) exciting and crazy and um so anyway I had to like go through this whole trunk show you know for an hour right right (laughs) then the call from you know the Wendy show so anyway they called back and they wanted to place a large order it was more product than I had um they're like yeah she usually buys like for the season so um, wow yeah which is like a a 10 month 11 month season wow yeah so yeah and she wears tights almost every day with she wears a lot of dresses and skirts mostly Mm -hmm. so uh so anyway um you know I sold them what I could and tried to prepare for like the next season hoping that we'll get brought on for the next season and she really amazingly posts every day for the most part the brands that she's wearing so she'll do like her her look of the day and tag all the brands she posts on her website all the brands she's wearing with links to their website like the direct link to the actual product that she's wearing Uh, And then she has an after show on YouTube where she just talks about the show of the day, you know, the celebrities that were on. And then she'll sometimes talk about the outfits she was wearing and why she loves them. Why, like, she'll just like talk about nude bar and like, I love how long they are. I have long legs. And it's really great because, you know, not a lot of tights come all the way up for me because I'm really tall. Or, you know, she'll just talk about the different things that she loves about the, the brands that she's wearing. So, yeah, so that was my first celebrity endorsement. From there, I was able to get calls from other celebrities that would say, hey, I saw Wendy wears your product and she looks amazing. We would love to get them for this person and that person. So the first call was Tyra Banks stylist called. Then I started noticing this name ordering on the website named Laverne Cox. And I was like, hmm, that's what this name sounds familiar. Uh, so I looked her up and she's an actress from the Orange is the New Black. Yep. She's in other things, but that's mm-hmm. where most people know her. Yeah. So that's kind of been like a, a snowball effect of her, you know, the one celebrity that I sent product to. And what's also amazing is that the celebrities that we have been able to sell to, they actually buy the product at they're, they're not yeah. like, you give me a free piece. They understand that it's not like a dress where I could loan it to you. And right, right. You know, it's undergarments. So like you have, you need to buy it, um, which is awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because a lot of the times product is given for free, which is, you know, helps for visibility, but doesn't help for directly for business. Yeah, totally. yeah. That's incredible. Well, thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you always have to listen to your mom. <laughs> that's what I'm going to tell my daughters too. <laughs> like, listen to me. Um, no, that's that's amazing. I love that story because it goes to show. I mean, the hard work you put in, but then what can come from that too. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay, so can you share a little bit about what's next for the company? Yeah. So uh, as I was mentioning earlier, I have bootstrapped the company up until recently, and uh, so recently I brought on a couple of investors. Um, one of them is a customer of mine. Her name is Serena Williams. I don't know if you ever heard of her. <laughs> um, let me think. It sounds familiar. No. <laughs> but yeah, so she had been wearing the product, ordering online, just heard about the brand through social media and, yeah. um, or someone in her team had been ordering mm-hmm. and right. uh, turns out that she loves the product and, um, you know, later on has 
has joined as an investor, as well as Bumble, the dating app. They also have a fund. So Whitney Wolf Heard, who's the founder of Bumble, started a fund investing in women. And so she and Serena Williams came together to invest in women of color because the statistics are really low for yes. women getting funding and then women of color getting funding. It's like yes. less than 1%. Uh, anyway, they really want to change that and invest in um, underrepresented founders. So I'm one of those people. Um, they had a pitch competition that I won and I got to meet both of them, which is really exciting. My daughter got to meet both of them, which is really cool as well. And yeah, so as far as what's next, um, I'm still closing out my round, um, you know, pitching to investors on a, a daily basis and just trying to scale the business as quickly as possible uh, to be able to launch more product to really be inclusive in the way that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to express in our brand mission of size inclusivity, shade color inclusivity. And I really see nude bar being kind of like, um, the Uniglow. Uniglow is, you know, a brand that has a lot of different basic items like basic tanks and shirts, and they make other more fashionable items as well, but they have tons of basics. And so uh, essentially I want to do that for nudes. So camisole tank tops, uh, all different styles of underwear, um, all different styles of hosiery socks and, you know, leotards and dancewear and so forth. And the 12 different shades of nudes that we offer so that when you're looking for a nude undergarment, it, you know, your, your color, your size, it's all represented um, right at nudebar.com or wherever you're shopping for nude bar. That's incredible. And the voice memo from the day that you won the pitch competition, <laughs> the voice journal is probably amazing. <laughs> it's very exciting. Yeah. I, I was like trying to remember all the details. Right. Um, you know, it almost feels like a blur, like, you know, meeting them. And I got there. They also had like a big lunch um, with myself and some other um, people that was just like really cool and exciting. My baby was there. My husband was there babysitting, mammy, mannying. <laughs> <laughs> on the side because I uh, was still mostly breastfeeding my baby at the time. So I kind of had her nearby to do that. And they were very mom friendly to, you know, my my situation, which was another thing that was really cool and exciting and great about having them as partners because um, throughout this journey as a new mom and entrepreneur, I've been really torn about who to share, you know, my day to day that I'm a mom with versus hiding it and just being like I'm a normal female founder. And not to say that uh, being not, not a mom or something else is abnormal. Uh, but it's, it's just, a, there's a different situation going on in the back yeah. end of my life that um, wasn't going on before and just requires a lot more calendar tightness and, you know, organization. <laughs> yes. 1000%. And I think, I mean, I always think the visibility of those things is helpful because you're paving the way for other people, you know? So if no one's used to seeing, moms as entrepreneurs and CEOs, then they still won't be used to seeing it until they actually see someone do that. So it's great that you're showing that and sharing that it's possible. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Because definitely when I was pregnant, I was like, I don't see anyone doing this. Right, right. It's possible. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, I think I think it's been, you know, something that women generally, you know, hide, maybe not on purpose, but also just anyway, that's a that's a conversation for a totally different day. But I I do believe that and I've seen it. And I think it's great that you're speaking up and showing that yes, you can be pregnant and be a CEO. Yes, you can have a child and be be a CEO. Those 
things are really important, regardless of if it's your own company or another company, you know, but just women in the C-suite in general. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. What is one piece of advice that you'd give your younger self? Hmm. Only one? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or 10 or 100. (laughs) Okay, I mean, I'll narrow it down to two. So I guess one, one would be just your network, like, constantly be networking. I mean, I, I never was like a burn bridges person anyway. So that was mm-hmm. for me, but just, you know, as a young person, you're like, Oh, I'll do this job this one time. And then I may not ever see these people again, but it's like the world I I've learned as I've gotten older that like the world gets smaller and smaller and smaller as you get older and you mm-hmm. kind of move along in the world. It's like, Oh yeah, I, that person knows that person. And I know that person. And I worked with that person 10 years ago, just, you know, maintaining your network, keeping and with that you have to like keep these sound bites of updates right so as you're reaching out to people um it's like hey this is what i've been up to this is what i need help with okay maybe i have three uh <laughs> one would be I, I talked about this earlier just like being humble and um constantly being able to ask for help that's a big part for me that's been a big part of this journey is actually being able to say like hey i need help with this could you introduce me to this person? And a lot of that is like connected to the network, right? So if I'm, you know, chatting with a friend and I know that they're friends with so-and-so whose dad, you know, had a dance brand in the past or has a dance brand, like, hey, can you introduce me to that person? Because I'm looking to launch this and need help with it, which was one of the things that I did in the early stages of the business to get it off the ground. And then the last one would be just, maintaining good credit, you know, throughout being a young woman into your more adulting life, um, because you never know when you might want it or need to take out a line of credit for your business or a loan or um, just whatever it is, uh, just, you know, just making sure that all your, your back behind the scenes pieces are in place and ready to go. And that's good credit. Yeah, that's important too. I love those. I love all three of them. Can you tell everyone where they can find out more about you, about Nude Bar, all the information? Of course. So you can always find Nude Bar on nudebar.com, N-U-D-E-B-A-R-R-E.com. We're very active on social media. So on Instagram mostly is where you would find a lot of our following, uh, which is at Nude Bar. You could find us there on Twitter as well, at Nude Bar. And then for my personal Instagram, which is really just like my baby on there. Sorry. <laughs> it's uh, never be sorry for that. She's adorable. <laughs> it's at underscore Aaron Carpenter underscore is where you could find me there. Um, always open to chatting and, you know, connecting either way. I'm also on LinkedIn. Excellent. We'll put all of those in the show notes as well. So people can easily, easily get to you. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the show, Erin. I really appreciate your, your time and sharing your story and your expertise. And I think you've just done such an incredible job of, of starting and growing your company. And I'm so excited to see so much more from Nude Bar. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to see all that we do as well. Thank you for having me and listening to me ramble on about my story. <laughs> Stories are important. Yours is great. So I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I officially have new favorites. Um, I love our fearless founders. They're so much fun. Um, Yeah. Well, I know we covered pitching in another episode, but imagine like being at that pitch competition with Serena Williams and 
Whitney Wolf heard. I might I might pee a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I would do. Can I say that? Is that explicit? <laughs> uh, this is fun though. We're gonna continue to do our fearless founders. We're hoping to drop about one a month. And in doing so, our aim is, and if I say it out loud in the outro, then I guess it's going to have to happen. Our aim is to finally bump ourselves back up to a weekly podcast drop. So that's a goal. We still have one more thing we need to do in order to get there. And we're hoping that that is going to be happening. So um, keep your fingers crossed for us. That's that's our aim. And if you or someone you know is a fearless founder that we should feature on the show, reach out and let us know. We love to hear people's stories. And let us know what you think about the fearless founder uh, interviews in general. If you like our questions, if you want to see different questions, Um, If you think we're awesome or not awesome, because we can take both. We'd love to hear from you in the Fearless Business Podcast HQ, which you can find in our Facebook group, or you can find us on the fearlessbusinesspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit thetransitionscollective.com. Thanks so much and we'll see you next time. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.